This is Kingpins, a ParCast original. I'm Alastair. And I'm Kate. Every day in May, we're featuring a quote by an iconic crime figure, teaching us in their own words what it takes to survive in the underworld. Today's quote is from American Prohibition agent Elliot Ness. His dedicated service defending the 18th Amendment earned him a reputation as an incorruptible man living in extraordinarily corrupt times. But in his 1957 book, The Untouchables, Ness reveals a more vulnerable side of himself, one that suggests that even the most by-the-book officers question the very rules they enforce. He wrote, Doubts raced through my mind as I considered the feasibility of enforcing a law which the majority of honest citizens didn't seem to want. Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. The law that Ness was referring to was the 18th Amendment to the United States Constitution, first ratified in January 1919. It banned the manufacture, sale, and transportation of intoxicating liquors and incited the Prohibition Era. (laughs) For those unfamiliar, it's important to note that Americans didn't just wake up with a hangover and empty liquor cabinets. They had the opportunity to prepare for Prohibition, and prepare they did. Many acted like frat boys before a big snowstorm. They hoarded alcohol. And why shouldn't they? There was absolutely no promise that the storm of prohibition was going to pass anytime soon. In fact, there were politicians like Senator Morris Shepard of Texas essentially telling people that pigs would fly before it ended. Needless to say, there were stockpiles of liquor everywhere. And by everywhere, we mean in the cellars of those who could afford it. How were they able to purchase these now illicit goods? Simple. The 18th Amendment was poorly written. As we said, it banned, quote, the manufacture, sale, and transportation of intoxicating liquors. It failed to mention whether alcohol was illegal to consume, and it didn't define what in the good hell intoxicating meant. So without parameters to enforce any law, authorities like Elliot Ness were left twiddling their thumbs. Enter the Volstead Act in 1920. It defined intoxicating liquors as any substance containing 0.5% alcohol or more. For perspective, that's one-tenth the average can of beer. Of course, higher-proof substances could still be manufactured and sold for practical applications, like medicine, cleaning, and religious sacraments, i.e., there were loopholes. And where there are loopholes, There are people abusing said loopholes for profit, which is exactly what happened. The reason prohibition calls to mind speakeasies, pianos, flappers, and booze is because alcohol didn't go anywhere. In fact, during prohibition, consumption increased by an estimated 60 to 70 percent. 
It just moved from the free market to the black market, from being a staple of the American home to being contraband. As it did, the line between crime and leisure became incredibly blurred, which led to some very lucrative and suddenly criminal enterprises. Enter Elliot Ness, the man in charge of enforcing prohibition laws in all of this mess. In Chicago, no less, the home of notorious mob boss and bootlegger Al Capone, a.k.a. Scarface. Ness worked for the Prohibition Bureau from 1926 all the way to the end of Prohibition in 1933. In that time, he was surrounded by other Prohibition agents who were accepting bribes in exchange for turning a blind eye to these illegal operations. Everyone was getting rich, and they used this new ethical gray scale to justify their actions. It was, after all, just alcohol. Who is it hurting, really? Like Ness said, the majority of honest citizens didn't even want the law. Ness wasn't under the delusion that any person who chose to imbibe were criminals. But at the same time, there were men like Al Capone, men who were undoubtedly criminals. And from between those two extremes sprung doubt. And the fact that Ness had doubts is important. It's a shame that history frequently ignores that chapter of his story. Too often, he's relegated to a trope, the unflinching leader of the untouchables, a team of agents that upheld the law at all costs. But the truth is much more complicated than that. What Ness understood was that good and bad can exist on both sides of the law. Yes, Elliot Ness would one day help take down Al Capone, a man responsible for the deaths of many innocent lives. But Prohibition had more victims than those men, victims whose stories are often forgotten. The poor, the ones that were most held accountable by the laws of Prohibition simply because they couldn't afford to buy their way out of a jail cell. And so they rotted inside of them. So, as we remember a truly bizarre moment in criminal history, Maybe it's worth raising a glass to the members of law enforcement who recognize that there's a fine line between right and wrong, who understand that legal doesn't necessarily equate good, and that doubt is an essential ingredient in morality. Thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow with another quote. You can find more episodes of Kingpins for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts.